Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Chinese spies are making a concerted effort to gather secret information about artificial intelligence, biology, and computing, according to the director of the FBI. Christopher Ray says that the People's Republic of China represents the defining threat of this generation. He made his views clear after meeting with spy chiefs from Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. That conference in California took place as the number of people being detained on charges of spying within China is on the rise, creating a fraught environment for foreigners working in the country. So what's caused this intense competition in the realm of espionage? And how does the current era of spying compare to the Cold War, when the West's main adversary was the Soviet Union? Well, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast today Calder Walton, an accomplished historian who's also the assistant director of an intelligence program at Harvard University. And he's recently written a book called Spies, the Epic Intelligence War Between East and West. Calder, welcome to China in Context. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, if we go back to the 20th century, the main competition in espionage was between Western and Soviet spies. Now there's a great deal of attention on China. Could you start by explaining the scale of China's espionage program and its objectives? China's um, intelligence program uh, makes the Soviet efforts uh, to conduct espionage uh, look somewhat pedestrian. China has mounted in the recent decades a massive uh, intelligence collection effort against Western targets, particularly the United States. It employs uh, a strategy to collect secret and uh, in many cases, openly available intelligence through all walks of, uh, of life and in different ways, in a way that doesn't involve necessarily just its intelligence services. Professionals dealing with Chinese intelligence in intelligence agencies on both sides of the Atlantic uh, call this a whole of state approach to intelligence collection. That's to say uh, China's espionage efforts are broader than its intelligence services by themselves. They encompass uh, components of the CCP and Chinese society that would not on first blush to us look like they have anything to do with intelligence collection or indeed influence operations. But when seen as a whole, uh, they are one part of this suite of um, operations and efforts, uh, all designed, uh, which is what your second part of your question is asking, Duncan, to collect as much valuable information from Western targets as possible. Well, that's fascinating. So when you hear about the way in which Chinese spies operate now, how do you compare their approach to the Cold War period, which you covered extensively in your recent book? Well, thanks, Duncan. Yeah, there are some similarities, but there are also some key differences. The Chinese Communist Party has different components of its intelligence apparatus. The one that, that is most frequently discussed today that we read about in Western outlets is the Ministry of State Security. But there are other components as well. 
Um, foreign intelligence for China today uh, is conducted in overseas stations, Chinese consulates and diplomatic offices. There will be official so-called legal intelligence officers who are working for the Ministry of State Security under diplomatic cover in foreign countries. But the Chinese intelligence community will also employ deep cover, undercover, so without necessarily diplomatic cover, um, officers posing as businessmen, uh, posing as academics uh, in this broad suite of efforts to collect intelligence. Well, you've done some great research into this topic. And I mentioned earlier the stark warnings about China from the FBI's director, Christopher Wray. I noticed that when he spoke to the media on this topic, he indicated that his views are shared by other Five Eyes intelligence chiefs. I wondered about the significance of the Five Eyes chiefs choosing California for that meeting. They actually met right in the middle of Silicon Valley. So I imagine that they discussed the scientific developments which are changing our lives, uh, biological engineering, biopharma, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and so on. What do you think was on the agenda? I think that's absolutely right. Is there's a there's a dawning realization in Western uh, intelligence services that these technologies are going to change all of our lives: artificial intelligence, quantum computing, bioengineering. They are also going to be the target for hostile states who, like China, like Russia, like Iran, like North Korea, that are all seeking to obtain a competitive advantage for themselves in these fields of research, many of which are found there in Silicon Valley. So it's absolutely no coincidence that the Five Eyes Alliance uh, chose to meet in Silicon Valley, both um, in order to reach out to the private sector to understand the capabilities that are coming online for they themselves within the agencies. What can artificial intelligence do for a service like MI5? or for the FBI in terms of analyzing data, but also protectively to understand that the Silicon Valley is a disproportionate target for particular Chinese intelligence collection at the moment, that area. Well, let me focus in on one particular sector. I came across a Pentagon report to Congress, which claimed that the Chinese are particularly focused on dominating in artificial intelligence in order to probe enemy vulnerabilities. Could you say more about that? There is a an arms race going on at the moment between the US and China in terms of artificial intelligence. Now we're, we're all seeing this in, in our all in walks of life with chat GPT that only just came out, what, less than a year ago. It's changing rapidly how we do things. And intelligence agencies are no different. China's strategy is to collect data Yes, secret, but also openly available and commercially available data. There's so much data that it's collecting uh, that it's in effectively impossible for human analysts to comprehend it. And this is where artificial intelligence is and will continue to pay dividends. Whoever can master artificial intelligence will be the master of this century. Another serious allegation is that China is seeking to undermine trust in government institutions and, in fact, in democratic processes. How might that be achieved? 
Well, there's the time-honored tradition of how that's achieved that goes back to the Soviet period, which is through agents of influence and so on, through uh, disseminating disinformation within open democratic societies. The Soviets, the KGB, were the past masters of this, and it seems that Chinese intelligence services have picked up that mantle. There's a gray area between lobbying. All states conduct lobbying uh, to get promote their interests. But then there's a tipping point uh, in that gray area into illicit subversion, where there is an influence operation in order to achieve a result in a targeted audience. Now, we've we've read in the news about China's activities, malign activities in this area in Canada, in the um, parliament there, certainly in the US, uh, there have been stories about Chinese influence operations getting close to policymakers in the in the effort to influence them. Again, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, there have been some high profile cases revealed recently. And, and then more recently, also uh, in September this year in the UK, where an alleged emphasis on the word alleged uh, Chinese agent was operating in Parliament. This brings me on to the concept of the so-called chip choke. Uh, the chips in question being microchips, or to be more accurate, I suppose, advanced semiconductors. The US is moving to curb exports of certain kinds of advanced technology to China, and is also trying very hard to get its allies to follow suit. What do you make of the US approach? Well, it's a very delicate balancing act that the US is trying to make here. So in terms of hard power, this is the context. In terms of hard power, the Chinese army will surpass the US. It's just a matter of time. They will have more tanks, they'll have more planes, they'll have more aircraft carriers. One area where the US still has an advantage is in computer technology. And its high-end advanced microchips are still the best in the world. The problem is, for the West, that 90% of advanced technological computer chips are made uh, in Taiwan. The US is, as you said, under the Biden administration, has imposed embargoes on Chinese, mainland Chinese efforts uh, to, to um, produce uh, advanced microchips. The delicate balancing act that the US has to perform is to stay dominant in the field of artificial intelligence, um, it needs to try to suppress Chinese efforts to make advanced microchips, which are essential for AI and every other advanced technology we can think of. If the US, however, pushes too far, we could witness a replay, for example, of Japan in the 1930s, whereas the US curtailed and then cut off oil supplies to Japan. And what did that do? That contributed to Japan taking drastic action against the US, culminating in Pearl Harbor. If the US pushes China too far in terms of the restraints and the embargoes on advanced microchip capabilities, China might very reasonably come to the conclusion that the only way to safeguard or to gain to continue without those capabilities is by invading Taiwan and obtaining those facilities that make the world's microchips for themselves. 
Now, in those situations, there will then be sabotage operations, we we know, by, by the Taiwanese government and the US, presumably bombing those facilities in order to prevent them falling into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. There's an, also, an, uh, what's going on in the Biden administration is a huge effort to onshore those capabilities, bringing advanced microchip cap fabrication capabilities from Taiwan to mainland, uh, the mainland US. So both sides of the equation, uh, this is really the choke point, the, uh, the standoff in the superpower clash. Um, there's an arms race going on and the, the field in which it's taking place is um, artificial intelligence and within that semiconductor advanced semiconductors are really at the forefront of it lastly i want to ask you a question about the situation in china almost every week it seems we read about somebody else being arrested for spying within china yeah. what do you think is going on i think that there's um an effort by the chinese intelligence community particularly the ministry of state security to show to its domestic audience that it is busy and it is competent and it is effective against US intelligence. So undoubtedly the Ministry of State Security is looking with one eye to press reports uh, in the West, particularly in the US, about the arrests and the allegations of Chinese espionage here. They are quite understandably have a narrative that the US intelligence community and Western services are equally busy within China. So this is a valuable narrative for the Ministry of State Security to give to domestic audiences to say the US intelligence community are really the bad guys and that we are guarding your safety by tracking down and arresting foreign spies. So that's what's going on here. I think it's a battle of narratives in the West and domestically within China. Well, thanks, Calder. That's been a fascinating conversation. That was Calder Walton, author of Spies, The Epic Intelligence War Between East and West, published in the United States by Simon & Schuster and by Abacus in the UK. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute in London, and you can find out more about our courses and research at soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team. Mm -hmm.